His ways are wonderful. We don't always understand them. We don't always contemplate why he's doing what he's doing and when he does what he does. But yet, we've learned to trust him, haven't we? And know that he makes absolutely no mistakes. Isn't it a wonderful privilege for us to be able to be gathered together here today in the house of the Lord and to be able to <clears throat> come and worship and receive and not only get from him, but give back to him. Many people have it one-sided when they come to church. Well, I need this and I need that and I need something else. Well, you figure he needs today. I think he needs to hear from us that we love him so much and we're trusting him and we're longing for the day when we're going to be changed and I want him to be a part of this service, not only just giving, but being able to receive. God bless you. This, uh, if I can get this crazy iPad to work. Oh boy, it's going to be one of them kind of services I can see already. <laughs> Look out, devil. God bless you. Are here. It was working perfectly fine before I came out. Yeah, it's okay. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Hmm. Give me that other one. I reckon I'm going to start carrying three of them. Yeah, whatever. That's right. We do whatever we need to do, don't we? Matthew chapter 7. Verse 7. All right. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus now. Thank you. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. So I asked for another app, iPad, and I got one. <laughs> Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, not, not everyone that asked one time, and that was it, but ask us. You're just continuing to ask. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, not sought one time in past tense, but he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, which is continually. Lord, I need this. Amen. Sometimes you got to keep right on knocking. Sometimes you may have to knock a few devils on the head while you're knocking, but you just keep on knocking, right? Because we're persistent. He that, notice to him that asketh, everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, to him that knocketh it shall be opened. I love the way that Jesus said this, and remember this was in Aramaic whenever he said it, and the words was that to him that is constant at the throne of grace, 
who continues knocking at the door of mercy will have no denial. Will have no denial. But it shall be opened to him and he'll have entrance into the holiest of holies. Notice again in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. And remember, these aren't my words now. These aren't the words of some man, but actually the words of the Lord Jesus himself to his people. Jesus said unto them, we read this Wednesday night, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, remember they couldn't cast out the devil, and that asked the Lord Jesus why. So he answers them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as of a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. I guess the question is this, do we actually believe this is true? Do we actually believe it's the truth? Or would we say, well, I've tried that and it didn't work. Well, I know another person who tried it and didn't work. That has nothing to do with his word. His word is always right. John chapter 16, verse 24. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. How many knows what that's like to experience it? Whenever God answers a prayer, and it just, it, it just does something to you. How many would like to be remembered today as we pray and approach the Word? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful, Lord, for the opportunity that we could be gathered together today. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Dear God, we bring before you our needs, our desires, our petitions, but that's only part of the reason that we're here today. We're here to minister to you because you are our husband, our redeemer, our savior. You have done so much for us. If you never answered one more prayer, we have enough to thank you for for eternity. But we believe you're going to keep right on answering and keep right on moving. Because as we go on, our needs seem like they become greater and greater. And the things we face become greater. But we believe your power is greater than anything we'll ever face. Speak to us today. Help me, Lord, to be able to get out of the way. I need you so much. Help me, Lord Jesus, I pray. It's in the name of the word we ask it. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Again, I'd like to speak to you today on the bride's bill of rights. As I look around this darkened world that we're in every day, you see pain, stress, anxiety, sin, sickness, evil, rottenness of the world, corruption, you see people that are so bound by things of the world and they live their life from day to day and just simply try to exist until they get to a spot to where they think it just ain't worth living anymore. And they take their life or they go out and take the lives of others and then have their lives taken by police officers 
which is such a sad thing, to end your life in such a way and go out of this world into the presence of God lost. And yet, on the other hand, I look at people that are Christians, people that love God, people that serve Him, go to church, live right, do things that are right, pay their tithes, have a faithful attendance to a church somewhere. They love the Lord Jesus. They clap. They clap their hands when singing's going on. They actually sing, and then they just participate in worship. And yet, some of those are just as bound in their own way with either sins or shortcomings. And when I look into the Word as what the Lord has provided for us as His people, I don't mind telling you, it breaks my heart. Because if all He would have done would have purchased salvation for us and said, now from this point on, I won't heal you, I won't deliver you, I won't give you anything else, but I just give you a one-way ticket and then don't ask me for anything else, that within itself would be enough to be thankful for, would it not? But when we look at the full coverage of benefits that he said in his word of what he wants us to have, and then we see so many people that fall so short of what God wants them to have. I wonder how it makes him feel. As I look at it as just a mere mortal man like the rest of you humans are. And if it breaks my heart seeing people fall short of what God intended for them to have, I wonder how much more it makes him. As if though he only made a way for us to be saved and basically live the rest of our life with such sadness and sorrow and such heavy burdens, as if though he paid no price for that. We act sometimes as if though our God has no promise of joy. He has no promise of overcoming and of deliverance. And yet, it is one of our, our rights as the people of God to be able to overcome. How many believes that? So the Lord doesn't just want us to survive. I don't want to be a survivor. No, I just just don't want to be a survivor. I want to be an overcomer. I want to be a conqueror. Praise the Lord. Not only do I want to be, I am. I hope there's more of you, and I believe there are, sitting here with me today. And you could raise your hand and say, I am too, by God's grace. But yet, there may be people here this morning and maybe some of you that are overcoming in certain capacities of your life, and yet you're defeated in other capacities of your life. To me, to be a Christian and to live a defeated life, it's so sad. I deal with them all the time. In my journeys around this world, praying for people, even counseling with pastors and with preachers and ministers and hearing the things that preachers themselves will deal with and hearing that preachers sometimes themselves live less than a victorious life. It's a sad scenario, especially when we think that our God purchased the full benefit. Look, friend, we don't just have liability 
we've got full coverage. He didn't just say, okay, you're saved and then that's the end of it. We've got full coverage. As a matter of fact, David said, he loadeth me daily with his benefits. I think that covers everything that we will ever need from the day we get saved to the day we leave this world. But yet, how is it then that so many are able to be a Christian and have a walk with the Lord? Do they, Brother Donnie? Yes, they have a walk with the Lord and they love the Lord and he loves them. And yet, they're living here when he wants them to be up here. Now, forget living where maybe some great man of God, some prophet like our prophet of the age, none of us will never live there. We'll never have the walk of God he had. We're not ordained to. I don't want that myself. I want what God ordained for me to have. That's my personal possession. Maybe some of you will have something with God I could only dream about. Well, I'm not going to be jealous because you do. I just want to have what's got my name on it. That's what I want for me. And if it is mine, I don't understand why that I shouldn't have it. What about you? And I believe according to the word that overcoming is one of those rights that God has given to us, and yet it is something we will have to fight for every day of our life. Now, when I mention overcome, maybe in your mind you'll go here, there, and there. You'll think of certain people. Well, I know Brother So-and-so, you know, he's dealing with maybe smoking, or so-and-so's dealing with, a, they have a problem with drinking, or they're having a problem with this or that or the other. It's not just always that. Some of the greatest things that I've found that people can deal with and they need to overcome is things that are hidden so deep within themselves, hardly nobody else even knows they fight it. But yet they fight it nonetheless. It can be inner fears that are so interwoven in their spirit and things that happened to them whenever they were children. It can be trauma that was induced to them by someone else and they didn't even do anything themselves to cause it. And can be so heavy inside of them and they're afraid to let anyone even know anything about it. And yet they deal with it day by day or week by week. You know, I don't believe the Lord Jesus wants us to deal with such nonsense. I believe he's here today to set us free from such, if we will allow him. Now, overcoming is a great thing. It can be a temper. It can be anger. It can be resentment, either toward someone you love, someone you go to church with, or what's even worse, resentment toward God. You see, many people when God will take a loved one or God won't hear a prayer the way they prayed it and the way they thought God should answer it. They will start with a little bit of an attitude and it will build and build over time until it becomes such a resentment toward God. They quit praying, they quit talking to him, they quit going to his house and the next thing you know, they've got a real issue. And if they let it go far enough, they'll eventually backslide and turn so against God, they will hate him with such a degree, the same degree that they loved him before. Because they never overcome that resentment. And it's not just that it can be toward God, but it can be toward people. People. 
I dare say there's not a person here today that has not been hurt, let down, used, abused, betrayed, whatever words we want to use to describe that we have all been affected by other people. How many have? We've been let down. We've been disappointed. Uh, sometimes it can be family members. It can be close friends. It can be a preacher. It can be whoever, a deacon, a trustee, whoever that we have respect for. And Satan will try his best to turn that inward on you. You see, Paul used the word when he defined it well about bitterness. And Paul described this bitterness not as a tree, not as a plant, but he described it as a root. So the Bible then identifies this as a root of bitterness. And where does a root grow? A root grows deep within the earth. It can be there for years and years. Nobody ever even knows it's there but the person who has it. And then all of a sudden, it'll begin to shoot up out of the ground, though it's been in their heart for a long, long time. Bitterness against a husband, bitterness against a wife. And truly, when we are hurt deep, it takes the Spirit of God to help us. But let me just give you a warning. If you do not let the Spirit of God help you deal with bitterness and be able to get an attitude out of your heart, it will zap your victory before God. But Brother Donnie, you don't know how deep. I probably don't. And you don't know how deep I've been hurt either. If I could lay my heart before you here today, it's not like you'd see great volumes of love and great volumes of the miraculous. Probably what you'd see more than anything would be the scars, the pain, all that I've been through as a Christian. And I don't stand you're alone. If I could see your heart, I probably wouldn't say great, renowning, miraculous things. I would no doubt see disappointments and hurts, maybe in a wife, maybe in a husband, one that you trusted so much, and yet you were so let down. But it's up to you and I with what we do with that resentment. We can let it control us or we can be honest with God and say, God, this thing is bigger than me. And if you don't help me, I can see already it's going to destroy me. But I do not want to be destroyed, destroyed by this devil. I want it under my feet. Is anybody listening to me this morning? Now, you may sit there today and you might smell a brother and you get around him and you know he's got a problem with smoking. That don't take much discernment, does it? It don't take much discernment if you see a little color between his fingers or a little amber still running out of his mouth or his aqua velva did not quite hide the cigarette smoke. And you know, that person, it's easy to see they have a problem. Maybe someone who gets real riled and they lose their temper and they say things they shouldn't say. It's real easy for us to see that individual. But sometimes it's the one that harbors that root of bitterness that is so deep. And resentment that is so deep. No one knows it at the church. Nobody even knows it, but their family does. The wife does. The husband does. Their closest intimate friends. And yet when they are by themselves or with someone they think they can trust, they get so angry and they will pound and they will express such resentment. Yet if I would walk up, they would squelch that resentment and bury it again deep beneath the human sod. 
But you can only hide that for so long. And to me, many times, those people are in worse shape than the man who's smoking because he knows pretty much everybody knows. But he keeps coming to church. And if you're here today and you have a problem with smoking, hey, keep on coming back. Right here's where you can get deliverance of that. Oh, you mean you want me to come? Absolutely, I want you to come. I figure your chances of getting delivered are way better here than you are sitting at the house. I figure whatever you're dealing with today, your chances of getting touched by the presence of God and delivered a much greater being setting here than you are, well, I, I ain't gonna go till I get everything took care of and let me know how that works for you. I don't mind telling you, I want this place to be like an ER. I want this church to be like a hospital. We want the lame, the blind, the halt, the cripple, the smoking, the marijuana, the addicts, whatever they are, we want them to be able to come here and get set free. This is not a place for only the godly and only the holy. Well, when you get good enough, you can come to our church. No, when you're as low down as rotten scumbag of the earth, that's the kind we want to specialize in leading you to the Lord Jesus and being able to cast that spirit away from you and watch him take drugs out of your life and alcohol out of your life and bitterness out of your life and resentment out of your life and fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see, our master placed it in the bride's bill of rights, the right to overcome. He said these words in St. John 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now what I find amazing about this is, he hasn't even died. He has not went to the cross. He has not been whipped. He's not went to Hades and took the keys away from the devil. But he says, I have already overcome. Now, do you understand who's saying this? It's not just the sonship of God, but it's God himself. The sonship, the humanity is dreading the cross. It is dreading. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, it was heard in that he feared. Now, I want you to catch this as he says it. Be of good cheer. I have overcome. Now, I'm not going to, but I have overcome the world. So, not only did he go before us, but he did it for us. Not only before us, but for us. So when we're looking at something that seems like it's absolutely unsurmountable, it is so great, how can I ever survive this one? I've been through a lot of things, you might say, but how in the world will I ever survive this one? My word to you today is, be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. 
Now, notice this. He tells us this. And John, remember the same man who wrote this in chapter 16, verse 33, also wrote to us again in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, and told us that we also would be overcomers. Notice he says, I have overcome the world. So the serene confidence and assurance that our Lord Jesus has in what he's fixing to face calmly, calmly, with serenity and assurance as God, as God. I'll tell you, we fight too many of our battles as a human when most of the time we need to fight them as deity. We will get defeated by fighting our battles as human beings because Satan will scare us to death by using our reasoning. He will use this person's word and that person's word and a doctor's report and whatever more and the news you listen to every day. They ain't hardly nothing anymore on the news that's even encouraging, are they? You can't hardly go to anywhere, any news station or whatever app you have on your phone. It's all bad. It's all discouraging. It's all disheartening. But let me tell you, there is the greatest news that's ever been in the earth, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the word gospel means the good news. Amen. Notice, so he's looking at death in the face. He's looking at suffering like no human being has ever suffered. He's looking at the Spirit of God, the Father, to leave him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's looking to be turned into a goat, not a sheep, a goat. He's looking to be cursed in the eyes of God. He's looking to be rejected by God. And yet he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Only God could behave such behavior. No other way a mortal could face such things and still say, be of good cheer. I hope somebody's going to hear me this morning. This is the way I think we should fight our battles. That we don't just fight them as mere mortals, but we look at them as who we are, sons and daughters of God, and say it's bigger than me, it's bigger than my family, it's bigger than our church, it's bigger than all of us put together, but it ain't bigger than our God. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Notice in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, that Paul says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, the Lord is not telling us to turn the other cheek and pray for them that despitefully use you and all those blessed scriptures just in order to make us look like something that we're not. But here is the key to overcoming evil. You actually overcome it with good. So if someone says something bad about you, you don't overcome it by saying three times as much bad about them. As a matter of fact, the evil just took your victory. 
How do we overcome evil? We actually overcome evil with good. 1 John 2.13, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I love the way John categorically brings it, breaks this up in speaking to them. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, we shouldn't have youth services and we shouldn't just specify certain things to the youth. You need to reread your Bible because as a matter of fact, they did just that. Notice, I write unto you young men Now, why not just say it to everybody in general? Why would John specifically say, I write unto you fathers, which no doubt would have been older men, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. Now here, John wanted this to be noted in the New Testament so that it would be an encouragement not only to the young men of that day, but to the young men in the days of the church ages. And I trust here today that some of our young brothers can say, if God helped them people and they were having their heads cut off, they were having their bodies burned at stakes, they were being reviled and persecuted, fed to the lions, brought before for the Roman citizens in the Colosseum. And I stood there many years ago, went to the catacombs in Rome and see where the saints of God gathered together for church. And think, John was writing this around 93, 94 AD. So during this time was when the persecution was going on. And John wasn't just writing to old people because that apostolic Ephesian church didn't have people 75 and above. It had young men filled with the Holy Ghost. It had young sisters filled with the Holy Ghost. And John wants to acknowledge them. Notice he said, I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. That's the kind of young men we want in our church, is it not? I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. May I say to our young brothers here today, whether you are single or maybe you're a young man that is married, you can take hope looking at your brothers which have lived before you. But Brother Donnie, they didn't face what I did. That's exactly right. And you don't face what they did either. We were able to come here today, drive up in our vehicle and come to have church. If you want to come back later and fellowship in the fellowship hall, you can do so. If we want to come tomorrow and the next day and the next day, so far we still have our rights to be able to do it. But can you imagine them every time they gathered together under the emperor, oh my, that they would put out an edict, anybody gathering in the name of Jesus, they can be arrested and there was young men who risked their lives to go to the catacombs and say the devil will not keep me out of church. I wonder if the state of Tennessee would pass such a law. It is against the law to go to church, to word of life church. I wonder how many of you sitting here today would be here. Well, I'll raise my hand as the first one, I will. I will. I will. Anybody else be with me? Why? Because we are of the same caliber of people. Amen. They could 
cannot shut them up in the first age. They cannot shut them up in our age because we are the same caliber. We are overcomers. Oh my. Notice John goes on to say in verse chapter four, verse four, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We might as well face facts. There will be things that we will face and it will be even greater than what our human ability. You may be a scholar of the message. You might be a theologian of the message and when a preacher goes to start quoting a quote, you can finish it for him and you might quote it more accurate than he does, poor guy. But yet at the same time, you will not overcome just by your knowledge of quoting scripture. John never said you're overcomers because you memorize what I wrote and you memorize what Matthew wrote but he said you are an overcomer because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We want our church to study the word, read the word, right? Listen to tapes, hear the preaching of the word but the main aspect I want you to have today is to get the overcomer inside of you and when the overcomer lives inside of you, he will feed on the word. He will empower Power you. He will overcome using your own body because the Lord Jesus is an overcomer. Whether he's in his body or your body or your body or my body, he is an overcomer. I love this in 1 John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. I want you to notice he doesn't say maybe. I'm praying they will. Perhaps they will, but they do. Who whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Look at this word, nikao, which means conquer, prevail, get the victory to carry off the victory. Oh, I love them days, don't you? I love it when you grab a hold of that victory and you just carry it off. Notice this, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our shouting. Even our emotion, our dancing, our feeling. What victory is it that overcomes the world? What? Faith. So when you feel them or whether you don't, faith still says, I'm a winner either way. Now notice who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is, not was, is the Son of God. Notice again in Revelation chapter 2 verse 7, coming down through the church ages and God offered each age a reward. Now we're very fortunate in one aspect. Uh, you may not consider yourself fortunate to be living in this last day, but you are. Because in every age God gave them a reward. Now the last age gets the accumulation of all seven. The first age would get a great reward, the second and third and fourth on down. And now we're living in the last age and it will be the accumulation of all the rewards of the church ages handed to the believers in this day. Now you say, oh, that's wonderful. Well, what that means is you're fighting seven times more than what they fought in the other ages. But we're more than able to do it. Notice, he that hath an ear, Revelation 2, 7, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. 
Now this was the reward promised to the Ephesian age. This is also my reward. This is your reward. Now what you notice as it changes then from there and we come to the second church age to have a different reward. So the Ephesian age was not promised the reward of the second church age. Notice how divided that it was. Verse 11, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Notice how important overcoming is to God. You see, there will be no one that will go in the rapture unless they are living an overcoming life. Friends, this is not an option like power windows on your car. This is not an option of, well, do you want an MP3 player or do you not want or Do you want this or do you not want that? No, this is absolutely a requirement. The overcomers are the ones that will be crowned and set with the Lord Jesus. In order to be bride, we have to be overcomers. Well, what have I got to overcome? The greatest thing you will ever overcome is yourself. Because, oh, no, Brother Donnie, it's smoking. No, it's, it's this, that, and other. No, it's not smoking. No, smoking is not a sin. Smoking marijuana is not a sin. Drinking is not a sin. There's only one sin, and that's unbelief. And the reason people do the above is because they don't believe what the Word says about it. So where does it all come? Look, they could, you could live around cigarette factories. You could live next door. to There's taverns every way you would turn. But if you've got the overcomer inside of you, you can walk right by them and say, you cursed thing, get behind me in the name of Jesus. You can walk by every brothel everywhere, east, west, north, and south. But if you've got the overcomer on the inside, there ain't nothing that's going to stop you. But if you ain't got an overcomer, you might live right down Paradise Avenue where Paradise Avenue intersects Hope, Hope Avenue. And you're living right next door to Peace Valley. But if you ain't got the comforter on the inside of you, you won't be able to overcome. I know I shouldn't do this. I should not do this. Friends, it's going to take more than us sacking up our mental attitude. I don't need to do this. I, I don't need to do this. It's going to take a power inside the bride in this last day to be able to not only look sickness in the face, but look death itself in the face and say, death, give way. Give way, death. You cannot stop us. As the people of God, we are more than conquerors. I know you know this and believe it, but I believe with all of my heart there's people sitting right here today that will not die. You see, we're not just going to look hepatitis in the face, cancer in the face, or some other sickness, but one day you will look death itself right in the face and say, thought you had me, didn't you? Now you see me, now you don't. You'll look death itself right in the face and say, you can't have me. I'm gone. I'm out of here. What is a headache compared to that? What is cancer compared to that? What is high blood pressure, low blood pressure? Oh my goodness, Lazarus had no blood pressure. So if God can take care of a no blood pressure attitude, I figure he can take care of a low blood pressure attitude. He can take care of high blood, low blood, no blood because he is the great creator. (laughs) 
Look again in verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth. Notice this now. Knoweth saving he that receive it. The accumulation of each church age. Now as we come down. Notice he's not saying to him that shouts. To him that runs. To him who screams the loudest. To him who hollers. Not even to him that works miracles. Not even to him that lays hands on the sick. Notice one word. One word that God uses the same in every church age and bases the reward of every church age on one word, one only, overcome, overcome. How many wants to be an overcomer? Listen how important, not to him that raises the dead, not to him that works miracles. And Jesus said they'll stand before me that day and say, I cast out devils in your name. He'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll say to them, depart from me. I never even knew you. Yeah. That ain't it, friends. We believe in that. We believe God shouts. We believe God anoints people to worship and run and praise God. But you and I know, my goodness, I've prayed for enough of them in prayer lines all over the world to know they come through and you pray for them and they shout and run, jump and fall out and three or four weeks are right back in somebody else's prayer line praying for the same thing that I prayed for them for before. Why? We need more than prayer lines. We need more than just getting our emotions all worked up and then coming right back. What we want is people that can live victorious, overcoming life and look the devil in the face and say, I'm sick and tired of you stealing my victory. I'm sick and tired of you stealing my joy. You're stealing my peace with God. Give it back. Give it back in the name of Jesus. Verse 26, he that overcometh and keepeth my works. Wow. Well, what about his words? Sure, you're going to keep his words. Wonder why he said works. Who keepeth my works? We don't want to be all mouths. Oh, I believe this. I believe. I believe. I believe. I say. I say. I say. Works must accompany what we believe. And everybody said, Amen. He that keepeth my works unto the end. To him will I give power over the nations. Again, chapter 3, verse 5. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. You mean a person could have their name in the book of life and get it blotted out? This is part of my reward. He will not blot out my name. Oh, praise God. I don't want to just lay hands on the sick. I've done that for decades. I've seen miracles. My goodness, believe me, I've never shared with you one inkling of what I've seen God do. But you know one reason I don't talk about it more? Because I know what stuff does like that to people. They want to start following this. They think they got to get to this man and that man and something. I just read Carol a quote last night where Brother Branham says, it's not the certain man praying for you. It's you within yourself having faith and believing God. Oh, my. 
Notice this, God's reward to the elect. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. To who? The shouter, the jumper, the preacher. Those that overcome. Those that overcome, do you understand? There will be countless of preachers that'll have their name removed. An angel will stand there and blot out their name. Now they're, they're, they're writing this as if they would do in that day. They did not have paper and stuff, of course, the way we did. So they would take part of the ink and blot out. They would take a heavy dose of the ink and go over the writing there and blot out that. Oh, what a terrible thing to stand there and your name. It was there when you walked up and now you're standing there and it's gone. Why? It was blotted out. Oh, Lord God. But for those that overcome, He said, I will not blot out your name. As a matter of fact, I will confess your name. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus speaking your true word name before this eternal one on the throne? And he will turn to the myriads, maybe millions times millions of angels. And he will say to them, look at my daughter, so-and-so. She was an overcomer. Here is my son, whatever your true word name is. I want you all to see my son. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord children, if that's the only reward I got, that'd be enough to fight every devil out of hell over it. Can you imagine Brother Nathan sitting there and the Lord Jesus confesses our name before the Father and turns to those myriads of angels and says, I'd like to introduce to you my word, son. My word, daughter. How are they here, master? How did they get here? They overcome. They lived in that wicked, sinful, dark age of Laodicea. There was rottenness and corruption everywhere. And they overcome and they stood for me. Now I'm standing for them and I want all of heaven to know. Silence! Total silence. What I speak, their name. And the Lord Jesus will speak your name. My son, so and so. Glory to God. Give me that, brother. Notice in Revelation 3.12. Him that overcometh shall I make a pillar in the temple of my God. A pillar? Yeah, sort of like the two in Solomon's. When Solomon erected his great temple and God gave him the pattern to follow according to what David had saw. And there's two big massive pillars as you come into the entrance. The whole building held up on these pillars. Jesus says to him that overcomes, I will make you a pillar in the house of my God. And he shall no more, go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God. 
in the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. To what category of people? One, overcomers. I think, Brother Paul, we take it too lightly. To overcome, friends, it, well, boy, that's something. It's not just something. It's everything. You see, if we don't overcome all of our running, all of our knowledge, all of our shouting, all of our preaching, all of our signs, what will that be worth if we don't overcome? <sighs> Revelation 3.21. Now here's the promise, the seventh promise. But remember, you get all consecutive of them put together, one through seven. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Revelation 21, 7, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God he shall be my son. What could be greater than that? I love this in the church age book, and I know you're familiar with it. In the Laodicean church age, page 360. Now what are we to overcome? That is the normal question to ask here. But that is not the actual thought of this verse. For it is not so much what we are to overcome, but how. Now you see, so much of the time we focus on what. Well, I've got a pornography problem. I've got temper. I've got resentment. I've got, you're focusing on what, not how. If we can ever learn how, it won't make no difference what the problem is. You'll know how to handle it. And some of you can overcome this and that and the other, but you keep focusing on the what. Instead of letting the same principle of the how that lets you overcome all these other 57 things in your life, you're letting and you're naming that. Can't you see the power of naming? Can't you see the power of naming something? The Lord Jesus has your original word name written in heaven. But he cannot give that to you now. It would not match your existence in time. It would not match your body. But there you will get your new name. New to you, not new to him. Look at the power of naming. So he said, well, my habit, my this, my that. Quit naming that devil. Don't look at what. Look at how. It is not so much what we are to overcome, but how we are to overcome. This is the logical for notice it does not matter so much what, 
we are to overcome as long as we know how we can overcome. In Matthew 4, when Jesus is tempted of the devil, listen carefully to these words, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. He overcame the personal, personal temptations of Satan by the word and by the word only, not by the anointing. The Bible doesn't mention nothing about Jesus feeling anything. He overcome by the word. Notice now, they were so, they were so made for him. No one else could Satan even use this against them. So the prophet, I'm so glad that he allowed this to be said this way. He overcame the personal temptation. Don't you understand why Satan knows us so well? It'd probably scare us to death if we knew how well he knew us. And he has your temptations and tests so personalized, he knows you to the T. But we know him too. We're not ignorant concerning his devices. Notice this. He overcame the personal temptations of Satan, by Satan, of Satan, rather, by the word and by the word only. In each of the three major trials that corresponded exactly to the temptation of the Garden of Eden, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Jesus overcame by the word. He fell to the personal temptation of Satan by failing to use the word. Adam fell in direct disobedience to the word. But Jesus overcame by the word. Notice next paragraph. In his own personal life, these words are astounding to me, contending with himself. Jesus was contending with himself. Now, what you to think? Jesus recognizing that his flesh was now a target and Satan was trying to pull on his humanity. And Jesus must defeat himself. So his temptations were not, well, this drinking problem and this woman problem and this. He never focused on what, but he focused on who and how. You mean the Lord Jesus, the blameless, sinless Son of God? Yes. But remember, the prophet makes some astounding statements about that human body. And he says, even the flesh of Jesus could not glory in the presence of God. Well, I know it chokes some of you Jesus owners, but it's time you get choked down. <laughs> You'll never see yourself right if you don't see him right. Look at him this morning, children. He had to contend with himself. Jesus had to speak to Jesus. And say, Jesus, you've got to obey the word. But Jesus said to Jesus, I don't want to. I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. Jesus, the deity, had to speak to Jesus, the humanity, and said, you're going to obey me. 
I'm here for this reason. I'm here for this purpose. You're going to the cross. I don't want to go. He even prays a prayer that he knew the Father would not and could not answer. If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. I'm so glad Father God didn't answer that prayer. In his own personal life, contending with himself, he overcame by obedience to the word. In Hebrews 5, 7, it says, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, was strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. So Jesus, Brother Joel, is crying. He's crying and calling out on spirit God and begging. Please don't let me go through this. I beg you. Don't make me face this, please. I beg you. Oh, glory to God. Supplications, a strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him. So the Savior is crying for the Father to save him. From being a sinner? No. From dying and becoming sin. Don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. Please, don't make me do it. I beg you. But that he was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus being so afraid, Brother Jackie? Jesus fearing. Maybe he'd already seen it, read the book of Isaiah 53 and many of the other places, and he could imagine himself hanging on the cross. All my bones, they stare at me, they laugh at me. They put out their lips at me. He saw them. Oh, he saved himself. He, can, he had saved others, let him save himself. The bulls of Bashan compassed me about. Psalms 22, which precedes your great shepherd psalm. Read it. You see, it was the victory of Psalm 22 that led him to the sheepfold of Psalm 23. Maybe reading in the scripture and imagining in his mind, how can a mortal face this? I can't do it. I just can't. I can't. I can't face it. I can imagine when Satan heard him say it. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I hope you don't, don't misunderstand me. But I'm so glad. He allowed himself to feel that. Amen. How many ever gets afraid in life? You just get afraid. You just get afraid. Afraid of the unknown. Sometimes afraid of the known. Afraid of things that are around you. Not certain how's this going to turn out and how is this going to be. You, you just get afraid. But don't forget when you do. You can go to a high priest and say, Jesus, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid of today. I'm just afraid of today. I'm afraid I'm going to fall again. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I need a high priest 
who can understand me? He could answer back and say, son, I know that feeling. I understand the feeling of fear. Let me take you on a journey. When I was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, I was shaking. I was trembling. I was in such profusion of prayer that the capillaries broke in my, in my forehead and my bloodstream entered, entered into the sweat glands and I sweated great drops of blood. You see, it was not just out of thinking of hell. It was none of that, but I was so afraid of the pain. I was afraid of the agony. I was afraid of being left alone. I was afraid. I feared. So I understand your fear. Anybody in here have fears besides me? Yeah. But aren't you glad we got a high priest that we can go to and you say, Lord, I'm afraid. You're afraid? Why the world? Why get down at that altar and get saved? You ain't got the Holy Ghost. He was the Holy Ghost. But even though he was deity in that body, it did not take away the humanity and the fear. Oh, Lord God. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. What was he obedient to? The word of God. Now then, there will not be one person who will sit in the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ unless he's been living that word, not just talking about it, but living it. Your prayers, your fastings, your repentances, no matter what you present to God, none of that will gain you the privilege of sitting in that throne. It will be granted only to the word bride. As the throne of the king is shared with the queen because she's united to him. So only they who are of that word, even as he is of that word, will share that throne. How many wants to be part of that throne? Can I have a few more minutes? Paul says in Romans 8, 37, Nay, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I love this word. It means to be more than a conqueror, to gain a surpassing victory. Literally, in the translation, it means this. We are super conquerors. Amen. Super conquerors. Why? We're part of a super race. We belong to a super sign, to a super seed, and we're going to a super city divine, designed by a super almighty God. So we are not just barely conquerors, but we are super. We are conquerors on spiritual steroids. <laughs> we are super conquerors. Let me just say this to you. Our faith is not destroyed. Our hope is not gone. Our love is not diminished. Our sight is not blinded. Our intuition from the presence of God, we are more determined now than ever before because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We will bear the glory because we bear the shame. We will sit with in him in the throne because he can try us now and not treat us like a bunch of babies. 
And you see, friends, here's the key. We conquer when we learn to conquer ourselves. Romans 5, 2. Paul says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Lord, have mercy. We glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. I didn't put the rest of this down, but I'll quote it for you. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience. Experience, hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. We don't just endure tribulation. We don't just endure trying, but we glory in them. Why? Because we know we have found favor in the eyes of God. Oh my, we are so far from being conquered by them, they do us much good. Well, Brother Donnie, I always knew you're crazy. Now I know you flipped over. Well, I hope that I have. I hope I get so far out of my mind that I have the mind of Christ that I'll get to a spot. I'll believe what he said. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't, it won't make no difference. I'm gonna take him at his word. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. Oh, if you only could catch that. Listen what this man is saying. He causeth us always, causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior or the incense, the incense of his knowledge by us in every place. You see, the imagery Paul chose to use. You know, Paul was a very, a very typologist of a guy, and he used so many images. I love his images because he, he looked at himself here and the church as a trophy of God's victory. And he said, what I'm doing And what you brothers and sisters are doing, we are the sweet aroma of his victory. Because he conquered us, then he will take us and conquer others through us. Praise be to God. So Paul considered himself as a conquered trophy of Christ's victorious power. Now remember by this time when he writes 2 Corinthians, he's back in jail again. And he goes from one jail to another, from one city to another, but Paul sees himself as part of the triumphant entry of Christ himself into this city. So here Paul would come and say, me and Jesus have come to take over. (laughs) Praise be to God. Now he's quoting the triumphal entry of the Romans. Oh, glory to God. You see, they would lead them about. So if the Romans would conquer the Greeks, the Bithynians, whoever they would conquer, they would get many of the mighty celebrities of the city. And then they would take incense and they would run before the chariots. And the incense was the introduction 
Oh, glory, to the victorious march. So here was thousands times thousands of Roman citizens and they're lined up across the streets and they knew today was a triumphal entry because they had took Gaul, they had took Britain, they had took this and that and the other and they would stand there and they'd smell the aroma and the incense and Paul said, can't you all see what I'm doing? God's having me thrown in one jail after another. And we know when he got down there in Philippi and he got to them other places, God let him be able to lead people to the Lord Jesus. You imagine was Paul down there and that one Roman guard, according to history, Paul led one Roman guard to the Lord Jesus and the man had a new birth by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What did God do? God allowed this man to carry the incense of a resurrected life of the Lord Jesus inside there. And there was a Roman heathen about like a Tennessee heathen or a Kentucky heathen or an Illinois heathen or a Virginia heathen. And the Lord God allowed this man's life such a sweet smelling savior of the Lord Jesus. And that Roman said, they tell me you're a preacher. I've got all kinds of gods. Smelling all the time. But you smell different. I mean, you, you act different than my priests do. The bride does. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Let me give you a little history. When Pompey triumphed over Africa, his chariot was drawn by elephants. When Mark Antony conquered, his chariot was drawn by lions. When Heliogabulus conquered, his chariot was led by tigers. When Aurelius had conquered, his chariot was led by deer. Isn't it amazing? All animal nature which seemed unable to conquer. But you see, by conquering the elephant, can you imagine hooking up elephants to a chariot? They could take that big trunk of theirs, pick you and the chariot and the whole thing and throw you however far they wanted to, but yet you are showing your conquering power by having these massive elephants pull you, a little 160 or 70 pound man. Don't you understand why the Lord Jesus is gonna allow his people to be a conquering tried people? We are his victory. Hallelujah, it will not be great cherubs that'll lead his chariot. It will not be mighty archangels that will be the crescendo of his victory. It'll be little housewives. It'll be young men that was so bound by drugs and alcohol, bound by pornography and this and that and the other. And they even looked at themselves and said, I'm totally hopeless. I've been in this situation for so long, but the conqueror got a hold to their life. And then he'll hit, hit you and I up by the glory of God and say, lead me now. Oh, hallelujah. Take my name, take my power. He don't want you to just do it in heaven. He wants it to do in the workplace where you are. Let the Lord Jesus chain us to his chariot and say, take me to the masses. Let them smell. Take me to the lost. 
not a tiger, not a lion, not an elephant. A man born in sin, a woman born in sin, changed by the power of God and harnessed up to the buggy of the Word of God for the end time. I told you years ago when I was in South Africa, and I'll close with this in Durban, Brother Nami Naidu, which is an Indian brother. Durban has a large, large concentration of East Indian people. And there were thousands times thousands and thousands of those people there for one of those great Hindu festivals. And they would have little small groups, maybe eight or 10 over here, eight or 10 over there, and eight or 10 over there. Had little tiny uh, timbering type thing, symbols, little tiny things. They'd go to playing them things and going back and forth. And they was dancing and carrying on off as ever was. And there's one particular person that's all gathering around. Now, the brother name is standing there telling me what they're doing. This man is going to be the man that they're going to hook a buggy to. They have 33 million gods and goddesses. So they would stand there and they'd dance and dance and dance. All of a sudden, this guy that they're going to hook him up to, he'd let out blood-curdling scream. Brother Nami said, he's now ready. They would start out with a big long pin like this, start weaving it through his tongue, poking a hole in his tongue. That's sticking out of his mouth. They'd take fish hooks. Brother Ram talked about it. They'd take fish hooks and hang apples and grapefruit and hang them all over his body. Then they'd take two big long grab hooks and put right in the back, this man's back like this. Take his skin and put it up and feed this hook through his back. And then run ropes to the back of this man and him pulling this carriage representing this deity. I saw some of them, the weight of that carriage and it would tear a hole, plumb out in their skin. Leave a big old place Blood running down their bodies for what? False gods, idolatry. But who was the best representation of them so-called deities? Their constituents. Who's the best representation of a conqueror, of an overcomer of the day we're living here? It may not always be a man. It may be a woman. It may be a little daughter of God that's attacked by this or that or the other. And yet the Lord God uses hers. We looked the other night at Tabitha and what a life little Tabitha Dorcas had. God hooked her up to his buggy to display himself. Oh, friends, forget about, well, if I can be this person, give me that big buggy, give me. What difference does it make what size it is? My goodness, if I ain't got enough trust in the Lord and if I ain't got enough reputation that he has to tie me up to a little red flower wagon. Y'all know what them are, don't you? I mean, they're antique now. Little bitty old guys about that big. If that's all he can tie me up to, I'll bear it. I'll pull it. I'll pull it with all my strength. I'm in the same parade as the big guys. I'm in the same parade of the mighty warriors who's pulling tons and tons and tons. And they say, look at poor little old brother Donnie. He just got that little ready old flyer wagon. That's all right. Jesus matched me up to that wagon. I'll pull it with all my might. Let's bow our heads.
Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, to him that overcometh. What about it, men, women, boys, girls? Your temper, bitterness, sexual sins, whatever it is. It's not what, it's how. How do I overcome? By the word. He said, but Brother Donnie, the Lord Jesus wasn't tempted by marijuana. I know that. He wasn't tempted by pornography. I know that. But there's only three ways a human being can be tempted. That's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So he faced the channel of temptation that every mortal would ever face. And he overcome the channel, not the what. He didn't have to face pornography. He didn't have to face marijuana. He overcome the channel and said, do as I do. Let me hook you up to the buggy. Take me on the job with you. Let them smell the aroma of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let them sense that your life has been changed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How many of you would say to the Lord Jesus today, Lord, that's the greatest desire of my heart, to be an overcomer. Would you just stand to your feet, those of you that that's your desire. We don't want to just raise our hand today. We want to stand. So it doesn't really matter what it is, but how? How do I do it? I do it by the Word. Oh, I want to do so much for God. I, I, I want to do something for God, Brother Donnie. Well, let me tell you how to do it. The way to do something for God is let God help you overcome yourself. That's the ones He uses to conquer is the conquered. In the kingdom of Christ, the conquered are the conquerors. In the kingdom of the devil, those who are not conquered are the conquered ones. They will never overcome themselves. And Satan in the end gets them all. And the last one to be destroyed in that burning fire will be Satan himself. Maybe for millions and millions of years, he will burn and turn and toss and be haunted but eventually he himself will be destroyed. And when there is no more devil, you will still be shouting the praises of Almighty God. You, the one that looked like you could never overcome. You, the one that it seemed you'd never be able to face it. And the liar who told you that no longer exists. And you are praising the Lord God for eternity. Hallelujah. We've been made more than conquerors. Overcomers in this life. Oh, yes, we are. We've been made victorious. 
set your desires today, Lord. I want to overcome. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell your neighbor standing by you. Just tell Jesus, Jesus, you know what I need. I'm ashamed to say to anybody else, Lord, you know what I need. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, let the bride sing now. Even me. bless your name today father lord i don't care what you hook me up to father if i could just live some benefit to the kingdom of god lord may my life be poured out as an incense father hallelujah may i announce the king is coming lord god by our lives now the sweet incense is going before the second coming and the rapture lord if they only realize every day they live in this world the incense of the Holy Ghost is forecasting the arrival of our King to take away His bride. What is it? Not our ability, not our works, but the fragrance of the resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Jesus Christ. Let's sing it together again. Even me.
Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan.
Well, did you enjoy the word of the Lord this morning? Wasn't it wonderful? Praise the Lord. Oh, God is so good to us. Spiritual food in due season, that's what we get every meal, don't it? It's wonderful, isn't it? Do you love the Lord? Look at somebody and say, it's been good to be in church today. Praise the Lord. Let's sing the little chorus. It's already done as we get ready to leave today. Remember service here, Lord willing. Wednesday night, just coming back looking for what God would have for us. I don't know what it'll be, but I know it'll be wonderful. How about you? Are you excited to be a Christian? Are you really excited to be a Christian? Give the Lord one more good hand clap of praise. It's already done. Let's sing it now as we go today. The Lord bless you. Yes, it's already done. Thank you, Lord. Yes, it's all.